back to optimism vaccine i'm steve and uh it's it's a dark day it's a dark day in optimism vaccine history it's been a dark week we got our very first dmca takedown notice that's right evil corporations are out to take away podcasts that we recorded four years ago (laughs) Uh, so if you were saying to yourself i really want to listen to what optimism vaccine had to say about killing of a sacred deer in 2017 uh, for a few days you were unable to until we had to make some edits to uh, appease our corporate warlords which we did and uh, wouldn't you know the culprit the culprit you may know him as eminem slim shady me i just call him marshall fucking eminem song is what was our undoing this the spaghetti clip the the mom spaghetti you can't spaghetti anymore on the internet or they're gonna come for you that is the state of the world. Also, I'm joined today by uh, Myros, Jake, and Colin. Myros, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. I- I'm glad we got that situation rectified. You know, it's, it's a classic episode. Mm-hmm. Real good. I-, I didn't remember it. I forgot that we even did it. So it was like episode 51 or some shit. Extremely uh, old. Extremely 53, dusty. Episode 53. So y- y'all better go mm-hmm. check that out. Uh, it's a new revised version. Uh, extra special. It was great too because Myros is like, "Do you do you have the the master of this so I can fix it?" And I said, "Probably." And then two hours later, after I thought that all of our old podcasts didn't exist anymore on my hard drives, my little external hard drives, I was able to find it. So this actually spurred us to uh, solidify the archives. So something good, something good. Uh, Jake, how you doing? Doing fine, Steve. You know, you just gotta go out there and get up. Come on, get down with the sickness. You really just, you're just on the Richard Cheesecake, man. All this, all this <laughs> sniding you've been doing this week. Oh, uh, turning you uh, into a goddamn uh, cheesehead. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm I here. like the original better. What's, what's the thought process by that guy, the, the disturbed guy, when he's like, I, I need like some sort of entry to this song. Like when, what the, the, when the riff hits, I got to yell something. And he's like, is it a yeah or a all right? Or like, how does he, how does he intro himself? And he goes with, ooh, ah, like, how do you get there? Because I thought you were Jason Momoa there for a second. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I'm my just, man. My making man. my dolphin noises. <laughs> Don't count on it, Batman. If you want to laugh, uh, look up uh, why Down With The Sickness is the worst karaoke song. It's just a compilation of a bunch of nerds trying to do that opening Oh, under uh, 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 a microphone at a bar, <laughs> it, you'll you'll never stop laughing. I um one time I went to a bar in Lansing, Michigan, with Sean and and Myros, and it was it was like us, and I think Matt was with us too. Shout out to Matt, uh, optimism vaccine contributor who hasn't contributed in several years, but we were at this bar and it was just us, and then like two guys shooting pool, and they were just like just dudes you know like they definitely drove trucks with like a calvin sticker pissing on something <laughs> and there was a jukebox <laughs> just <laughs> there's a jukebox and i went over and i played 
down with the sickness for them. And then immediately after I played Bob Carlyle's uh, Butterfly Kisses. And <laughs> so the disturbed hits and they're like, yeah, like they look over at me and they're like, so we're cool. And then Butterfly Kisses starts playing afterwards. And the guy came up to me and he looked just like he looked. He's just one of those guys that doesn't have he's incapable of smiling, just very just bald and angry. <laughs> and he walks up to me. And he just says, that was a really sad song. And then he just walked away. <laughs> it's like I broke his heart with Bob Carlyle. And here I thought he was going to call me a dickhead, which he probably should have. But uh, yeah, so that's the story of when I didn't get beat up. But if you want to if you want to make dudes happy playing pool, play him some Disturbed. Be good. Be good. Uh, Colin, how you doing, man? You know, I'm doing great. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've been looking into this whole thing about uh, you guys getting the... Uh, Getting this whole takedown, uh, this copyright from Universal Media Group. And so I've, I've been calling them up and uh, I've been reading them Green Eggs and Ham and Lindsay Ellis tweets. And I think they're going <laughs> to they're going to cave in. I, they don't seem to want to admit that they understand what I'm saying or what it's about. But sooner or later, <laughs> they're going to have to admit it. Dude, Universal Universal Media Group, they went on a fucking tear, man. Because, uh, I, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned the Dr. Seuss thing, because we all know that uh, Dr. Seuss has been canceled indefinitely. God damn uh, So I, I had this idea for a really dumb post where uh, I was going to use a clip from my favorite episode of Eliminate, which, if you don't know, was a dating show from the early to mid-2000s, primarily shot in Milwaukee and Chicago. <laughs> and the idea was you start off with, like, four dudes and one woman or one woman and four dudes, whatever. Um, I, I don't think it was uh, it was a progressive time in, in dating show television. I'm not sure if they ever had any gay episodes, but either way. Um, and, and then one by one, the uh, the person that they were courting would, would eliminate each guy. And my favorite episode of all time, uh, it was shot in Chicago, and there's this like real Chicago guy. And... He's one of those dudes who who just thinks he's just incredibly cool, but also he has this kind of um, almost like Bill and Ted stupidity to him. And his name is Vito. And uh, his line that he uses is, uh, hey, hey. And the girl like looks over. He goes, you ever hear of uh, Dr. Seuss? She's like, yeah, I've, I've heard of Dr. Seuss. Mm. And he goes, well, the ladies call me Dr. Seduce. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's his own thing. <laughs> Very clever. And, and he and you could see like the look in his face where he's just like, this is this is the best thing that anyone has ever seen. Like, clearly, she is just just dripping wet. She's going to create a puddle. All the other guys <laughs> are going to slip and fall. I'm the winner. Uh, she she did not go for it, unfortunately. But. Uh, Universal Media Group, they they took down that episode off of YouTube. My favorite episode. You told me she eliminated that date? Yeah, she eliminated it. It's, it's, I, I, yeah, but given, here's the quality of men she was dealing with. He was, like, out of the four guys, he made it to the final two. So it really tells you a lot. The guy who got cut first, they were there at, like, a carnival, and he went on a carnival ride and, like, had to barf. So they, she just cut him, which makes sense. But anyways, I had this whole bit set up where it's like you can you can cancel Dr. Seuss, but you can't cancel Dr. Seduce. And now my tweet, which would have gotten at least three likes, uh, <laughs> skyrocketing me to fame, never going to happen because of Universal Media Group and Eminem. 
Uh, but we're not here to talk about the woes of our podcast. Unfortunately, we are gathered here today because um, it finally happened, boys. Never thought it would. Didn't even think this thing was real. But it turns out, if you yell on the internet for long enough, you get what you want. And uh, release the Snyder Cut. <laughs> Indeed, they did. Um, Zack Snyder's Justice League is here, and, and we watched it. All four hours and two minutes of it. Um, how did we get to this point, is the question you may be asking yourself. So, it's story time, alright? Have a seat. This is how Justice League, despite being released as a two-hour movie in 2017, came to us again in 2021 as a four-hour film. So Zack Snyder, he's wrapping up production. His daughter passes away. So Justice League kind of gets thrown into, into limbo a little bit. Uh, three months after wrapping, Snyder had continued to work on the movie. He decides to step away. Probably a good idea. Joss Whedon is brought in to finish the film. Joss Whedon, of course, makes Avengers and Buffy and uh, is a sex pest or an asshole. Which one is he? I forget. I think asshole. Asshole, not sex pest. Um, or maybe both. We don't know. Uh, yeah, you know, just that, that Venn diagram tends to have a lot of overlap. So <laughs> he, <laughs> Joss Whedon, he ends up doing all these extensive reshoots, adds 80 new pages to the script, uh, he makes it jokey. He changes the color palette. So with Zack Snyder, we're used to just desaturation and earth tones. Uh, he makes it a lot warmer, essentially. Totally different third act. Totally different third act. There's added scenes for Gal Gadot, uh, uh, Diane Lane, who played Martha Kent, and Amy Adams. And then they trim the storylines for The Flash and Cyborg. Okay. <laughs> you think? Is Cyborg in the, uh, is Cyborg even in the theatrical cut? I didn't see him. Did you? He's on the, he's on the poster. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember that. He looked cool. He's on the poster. He's there. He's there technically. Oh, he stands next to Superman. That's super cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, super robot and fast guy. Allegedly, there's only like 20% of Snyder's original movie left in, even though he remains the credited director in the 2017 version, which is kind of fucking weird. Uh, to the point where I, I don't, I, b I believe Christopher Nolan was like, uh, Zachary, don't ever see the movie, you'll hate it. Just don't ever watch it. So, you know, he listened to his buddy, Chris Nolan, never's watched them. He's never watched the original cut. Uh, fast forward a couple years later, because no one fucking liked this movie. And people start tweeting, release the Snyder cut. Then the hashtag gets the support of uh, Gal Gadot, Ben Affleck, Ray Fisher, who plays the aforementioned cyborg. And... Uh, Warner and HBO decide, fuck it, sure, why not, we're gonna actually release the Snyder Cut. Now, what that actually means is, is not clear, because there are all kinds of different Snyder Cuts. This movie was in trouble way before Zack Snyder left it, okay? Mm -hmm. um, originally, it was presented in a state that was described as unwatchable, some sort of three-hour cut. Uh, there was various cuts where, you know, special effects were removed or unfinished. Uh, there's at least like four Snyder cuts that had been screened at some point for various executives and people. So it's not like he made this complete vision and then it was shelved completely. And then Warner, a few years later, just dusted it off and said, oh, here you go, Internet. It's exactly what you wanted. Not at uh, all. When they decided to do this. Uh, they they originally were like let's make this a, a like a 
mini series TV show type thing. But instead, they're like, no, let's just have six acts and smash it into a four hour film. So that is what we have today. Uh, what it originally looked like, what a Snyder cut actually is, we don't know. But Zack Snyder, this is his vision. Or maybe it's not, because uh, also this week they decided to release a version called Justice is Gray, which is a black and white version, <laughs> which allegedly is more in line with Snyder's vision. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Also, it's at a 4-3 aspect ratio, and that was part of the plan from the beginning, maybe. No, course, I'm not no, sure. it was not. Bullshit. It yeah. was never part of the plan originally. So, okay. So this, and this is where it gets murky. I don't, I, I don't know what is, <laughs> I don't know what this is, okay? The <laughs> fact that we were even able to talk about this, the fact that it exists is mind-blowing to me. This is, this is Shenmue 3. This is like so many other things where people, the fan base just assumes it exists enough that like people said, all right, there's money there. Let's just put it together. Yeah. And they put money into it because it did not exist. But you got to wonder, mm -hmm. like... I don't know how any of this fucking streaming shit works money-wise. I guess that's all kind of behind locked doors still. But this is a $70 million director's cut. That's just fucking insane. <laughs> no, this is not, yeah. not a $70 million. This is, this is a $70 million like addendum yes. to, uh, to a work print that was made years ago and then reshot. Like the... The majority of the movie the, that was reshot by Whedon, it is insane. Like, it, like he basically just made a whole new film. There's only like a couple scenes that are intact in Snyder's vision. And it doesn't change fundamentally. I mean, it changes tonally, like horrifically. Yeah, to but, oh, yeah. But a lot of the reshoots that Whedon did are like reshoots of the same exact fucking scene. With just this asinine dialogue yeah. put it. I mean, they, they changed the dialogue enough to at least establish characters, I think, a lot better. Not just tone-wise, but actually... In Whedon's version? No. No, oh, I take that. I'm sorry, I misunderstood. Okay, thank, no, I'm talking yeah. about Whedon's version. He took the original existing footage that Snyder had shot, and the reason you could say that Snyder's footage only comprises 20% of the film isn't because they changed the plot or they made all these drastic things differently. They would take the exact same shot and just do it over again just so they could put in this fucking horrible Whedon jokey dialogue. It's just like, why in get the, the fuck in. would this have happened? <laughs> yeah. So Superman can punch Batman in the face and then Batman goes down and he goes, oh, that's super hurt. You know, that's people love that when you do that joke. You know, the the, the one bit of difference I noticed, that I was like, that's Whedon versus um, whatever. Did Snyder write the, the script alone for uh, no. Justice League? Okay. Uh, Chris Terrio, I believe. Yeah, Terrio or something. Okay, well, the one one bit of dialogue I really noticed is Cyborg's father, who's being interrogated by Steppenwolf in the Snyder Cut. He says, um, he doesn't know anything. And Steppenwolf's like, who the fuck are you? And he's like, I'd rather die than tell you anything. Like, he steps up, you know, like he shows him that he's strong. Versus in the, in the Josh Whedon Cut, for some reason... The uh, Steppenwolf just like basically agrees with him. He's like, ah, yes, finally someone with some guts. Like, ah, yes, you're really cool. You're really tough. Even though he doesn't. Um, <laughs> it's weird that he just tells you like who he is rather than just letting him show you who he is. You know, like. Well, I think we could all like dismissively fucking wave away the Whedon version because it is 
big trash like it doesn't it's like nonsense it just drops you into this open where batman is like fighting an alien from god knows where it's just like yeah. it's a cool like, scene well, roll I with like it, it i guess oh i yeah. i beg to differ i think that scene's an atrocity <laughs> terrible it works for me because it's a guy in a bat suit <laughs> already it's pretty <laughs> ridiculous it's just you kind of just have to go with it we're, we're talking about the death of a flying guy and i would say the only good thing about the Whedon cut, it was actually apparently a Snyder invention. It's the scene where Superman is resurrected because they need him to fight uh, Steppenwolf. And they're, he's upset and he's fighting the other superheroes and they're trying to pin him down. And the Flash starts to run around Superman. But because Superman is also really fast, he sees the Flash out of the corner of his eye. And I thought, oh, that's just a little weed in touch because, of course, he would be really fast. But no, that's apparently a Snyder creation. So hmm. uh, we hmm. brought no good things to this movie. Yeah, even the, even <laughs> the really, jokes really in the movie that you're like, OK, that that actually landed a bit like the Batman jokes, I would say. I, I thought like the fucking, you know, what's your superpower? I'm rich and shit like that. I'm like, oh, that's that's Whedon for sure. And the right. Oh, how'd you get her house back? I bought the bank. You're like, oh, that's that's definitely some weed and stuff. And it hits all right. You're kind of like, eh. But it's all in the Snyder Cut. That was all in the yeah, Snyder Cut. Yeah, it's all in the script. Snyder Cut. Yeah. There's that's one exactly joke. it, yeah. I, I don't know where it came from. Like, the one really funny thing that I saw, especially coming from The Flash, who I found really irritating at large portions or in large quantities, was when uh, they're all on the rooftop together and they mention that there's, oh, God, for some reason I'm already forgetting their names, uh, you know, demons or whatever. The parademons, and it just cuts the flash who actually doesn't know anything about what's going on yet, and he just goes, Okay, and they just go right back into setting up what's happening. I just I like that reaction. That was very authentic and it was very funny. And all the other scenes with, with Josh Whedon's dialogue, or what I assume is Whedon's dialogue, it just feels like I don't know, someone has to like kind of like sit up from being punched in the face or they can't be too human. They just have to like wink at the camera and it just I don't know. Just means nothing. It just feels like a like a big long uh what's that st- you've seen that meme online of the tube egg? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's the soft boiled egg that's like a tube. Oh no. you don't know what, what is the fucking tube egg? <laughs> the long and, egg. Please please I, I want to hear why Josh Whedon movies are like a tube egg. I like <laughs> because where this it's is going. just it's just, uh, you know, it's like Cool Hand Luke eating all those soft-boiled eggs. This is like a tube of soft-boiled egg. That's exactly what the Josh <laughs> Whedon one is, where it's like, you know, there's a lot of it, but it doesn't taste much like anything. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> I, I do not appreciate that you people keep calling him Josh, because that's an actual human's name. Yeah, let's refer to uh, him by Joss. his actual fucking nightmare name, Joss. <laughs> you just Josh, Josh and ya. I, I like all of the changes that Josh Whedon made. Uh, that were just made aesthetically, but add nothing at all. So uh, we like the the final battle zone or whatever. Joss Whedon is just like make it fucking red, make it all red. <laughs> sure, buddy, why not? Or uh, even even uh, Steppenwolf. Okay, it, it, Joss Whedon's like this guy's a little spiny. I think we need to spend fifty million dollars to smooth him out and give <laughs> okay. him like a fucking bone goatee or something. I'm like I. I- it's just very stupid. <laughs> the thing is, uh, Joss Whedon, say what you will about him, uh, I think that he's one of those people who has his cycles. Like he, it, 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 and Snyder is like that too, I suppose. It's it's kind of interesting to look at them in parallel with this because 
uh, this is almost like part of this reclamation of, of Zack Snyder. I think a lot of people are reappraising his work, and, and myself included. And hmm. um, with Whedon, it, it's the total opposite direction. Like, he had this thing where he had a huge, rabid cult fan base in the early aughts, and then he hit this big mainstream success with Avengers after uh, Cabin in the Woods hit. And... Um, yeah, now you look at any of his stuff and it's just like, it fucking has aged like hell. Like, it's it's rotten. It's rotten to the core. Like, this guy is fucking rotten. And he was never a visually gifted director. And say what you will about Snyder, he certainly has that capability to pull yeah. out some very stark imagery in his films. And uh, it's, it's just so interesting to me how one guy who, who felt like he was on top of the world 10 years ago and another guy who really just kind of got run out of Hollywood almost with this Justice League thing. And and now all of a sudden, Snyder feels like he's back. And Whedon, uh, good luck to you, sir, because I, I just don't feel like he has a place anymore. <laughs> Dude, it's it's people finally coming around to appreciating the joys of himbo cinema. Yes. Like, I don't, I don't think that the Snyder Cut is particularly good. I, I don't think that a, a lot of Snyder's stuff is good. But even when he makes shit I don't like, I I just love it's it's just made with pure passion and stupidity and commitment to those two things. And <laughs> it's nice. Like you could feel that on screen. Like even I, I was like, all right, I need to watch what's the purest if you if you distill Snyderism down to his essence, what is that? No studio would demand these things. They clearly must be coming <laughs> from someone else, and it's obvious who it is because they're always following Snyder from Sucker yeah. Punch to to Watchmen to wherever he goes. So so Snyder Snyder's essence, I think you can find the Snyder essence in Sucker Punch. Okay, it's Big got time. all of his visual trademarks. It is the dumbest thing humanly possible. And it, it and it swerves towards the you know the problematic realm because of the 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 content choices, but it never quite get, gets there. And it clearly the movie thinks of itself as a female empowerment text, but it's just goddamn idiotic. It's like <laughs> this movie's about girl power and dealing with trauma text. Yeah, mm. exactly. It's like this is about girl power and dealing with trauma. It's like, dude, you made like anime fetish action with a weird rapey <laughs> subplot and then and then it's like okay so this girl she uh you know she her stepdad tries to sexually assault her so then she ends up in a mental institution which is she gets inside of her head and is in a dream world where she's actually in a brothel and inside of the head brothel she's in a double layer <laughs> head version anime steampunk <laughs> oh sure man why not you know what they say about how like in china someone came up with the idea of the automobile the exact same time as someone in the west came up with the idea of the automobile like they're just ideas that seem to spring across the world i feel like Zack snyder and rob zombie might have like some like similar dna happening where they're just trading ideas like yeah you should just make halloween an origin story just do it just making a big mm -hmm. old origin story that'd be great <laughs> you know you know, Dawn of the Dead just needed more action in it. That's what the movie was about. Action. Do that. You know, just they seem very similar in some ways. I don't know. Rob Zombie seems like a smart guy doing dumb shit. 
where <laughs> Zack Snyder's like a dumb guy earnestly trying to do smart shit. Oh, he thinks he's doing really smart shit. But I think Oh, like, yeah, yeah. The easiest way that you can describe Zack Snyder as is he's a guy who made a Watchmen film and he's also yeah. simultaneously a guy who's been announced to direct uh, an adaptation of Ayn Rand's The Fountainhead. And two more diametrically <laughs> opposed texts could not exist. And these are not things mm -hmm. he makes as a director for hire. He's not a director for hire. He makes mm -hmm. them because he believes in them. And he's just an idiot. And he thinks that Watchmen is like a fucking Randian text. <laughs> and it comes across in the film. <laughs> I just want to say because we we don't I want to move past Whedon too fast, especially with the com uh, comparisons to Snyder as a director. But neither of these guys ever uh, uh, deliver under deliver when it comes to enthusiasm. They over deliver. They have too many ideas. They they go too far. That's one thing you can say about them. At their worst, they are too elaborate and sort of uh, laying a foundation for what's going to come next. Even if they're not quite sure what is going to come next, and if. I don't know, um, at least from the major difference between the two of them, is that if the audience rejects the idea, Snyder seems to be like, oh, well, darn, <laughs> whereas Whedon, and we can get into it later, seems to hold a grudge almost against the audience for not appreciating his work, uh, and even against actors, which is psychotic. <laughs> but hmm. or we could talk about that now. <laughs> Well, I I would just say like the last two things like he he butchers the open of this movie for me like I I have no what earthly idea how any that? like casual audience member is supposed to walk into the theatrical cut of Justice League and know what the fuck is going on like it is absolute nonsense like it, it's just like yep here you go I guess there's space bugs uh <laughs> here's a bunch of characters you've never fucking encountered before here they are they're they're coming together isn't that exciting and then the third act has this bullshit that he pulled right out of his failed Avengers movie where for no reason in the middle of Chernobyl <laughs> yeah. there's like this family of peasants who are like trying to escape the entire goddamn time and it just keeps cutting oh back God. to him over and over again. We have lived here with the mutant animals for decades and now there is a man here he's trying to bring the bug monsters. It's what just the, the stupidest shit. <laughs> this is the levity I need in my my my, my superhero movie. Just a random sitcom God. family. <laughs> yeah, that Joss Whedon shit is just it's it's insufferable. But I, I don't know, Snyder's branded dumb, man. It's just it again, like even when I don't like it, I, I like that he's trying and that people are giving him a lot of money to do it. I mean, we talked about Albert Pune before and think about if you will, like think about uh, uh, Pune's Captain America movie. And what if someone had given him like $300 million, but he made the same movie essentially. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of energy that Snyder brings to his work. And I, I respect that immensely, you know? And, and then the other thing I was thinking about is like there's there's some genuine artistry like it's not aesthetically my style like I don't I don't dig all the slow-mo stuff all the time and his the Snyder default color palette desaturation thing again not for me um, but I I was thinking about there's there's this A.O. Scott review of 300 from whenever that came out like you know 15 years ago or whatever and A.O. Scott is like trying to take a dig at Snyder and he's talking about how, like, you know, there's there's directors where every frame looks like a, a painting. And with Zack Snyder, it looks like every frame is like airbrushed on the side of a, of a van. And it was supposed to be like a like a ha ha Zack Snyder. Yeah. But when you think about it that way, it's like, nah, that sounds kind of fucking funny and cool. It is cool. And 
It is. It's just, it's so stupid. It's so goddamn stupid. But uh, you know what? I I don't care. But not all Snyder films are the same, though. I, and that's something that really should be clear, because I feel like he's treated as a yes or no. Whereas for me, it's very much of like, sometimes yes, like uh, The Watchmen. I think that's an ast- just astounding achievement. The fact that he was able to even make that. Even if you think he made it wrong, he made it. He did it. After all this talk, Terry he, Gilliam he couldn't do it. He did make it. I, I don't like the movie at all, but I will say... Zack Snyder made it and nobody else could. (laughs) He makes these dream films that just seem impossible and feel like they don't happen at all. Because I don't know about you, but for like the past four years, I haven't seen Justice League, even though I love comic books, even though I do have a DC Unlimited uh, Universe uh, subscription and do read comic books every day and really enjoy comic books. Never even wanted to see the movie. That's right. Never even gave Ladies a shit. hit him up on Twitter. Slide yeah. to those DMs. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. No, but the, like the idea that there was a, a, a Justice League film and I didn't give a shit was just so bizarre. Every once in a while, I'd remember it existed and be like, huh, that's so weird. You know, but with still no desire because oh. my first thought was, that looks like Fantastic Four. Just the worst of the worst. Just <laughs> dreadful team films. Team films are the worst because they have, to, uh, they have to try and figure out a lot of characters in a short amount of time and instead it just turns into weird banter which is really the biggest criticism of, of josh whedon it's just the way that i don't know characters are so jokey that i don't know there's just nothing catches it's just nothing sticks mm-hmm. yeah because well, not every character is a joke like fucking batman mm-hmm. is not cracking jokes generally it's just you know in this version of cyborg it's not it's, it's not whimsical he doesn't we don't need jokes for this character bartender get me and my parents that's two shots <laughs> i mean i guess the reason his avengers whedon's avengers works and it, it does i'm not gonna go revisit it i i might sour on the thing but at I the would. time it's a major achievement it, it was a major achievement it it, it did it got to cheat it, it was allowed to cheat because we knew these characters you know they played a long game with that they introduced yep. everyone before we were even in this film so you Yep. You didn't have to play that game with this team up movie. And Justice League did not have that luxury. And that is why it is only somewhat successful in a format that is is not theatrically viable. It's a fucking four hour film. And as comic book fans, it's fucking insane to imagine the idea that Captain America and, and Iron Man were able to put out bigger movies than Superman and Batman. That's fucking nuts. Because for years, they were the C-grade characters. And the only reasons they were ever given films is because they didn't have the rights to certain characters, like Spider-Man mm-hmm. and the X-Men. And so they just did th- what they could. They just followed a certain method. DC just didn't seem to care. They're like, do we have to get Batman a movie? Is this the Nolan verse or is this not the Nolan verse? And I really want to bring that up. It is amusing because there's a, like growing up reading Marvel, like who the fuck gave a shit about the Avengers? Like that wasn't a book anyone fucking read. That was not one of their big hit books until really the MCU hit. It's it's just kind of interesting how one medium has shaped the other at this point. Yeah, yeah, you're talking about Nolan. That, That is a good point because that's, I mean, Nolan's Batmans are not part of this universe, quote unquote, but he handpicked Snyder. Obviously, Man of Steel is existing in that tone. Like, it is meant to be a continuation of what Nolan was doing with these characters and and the tone he had struck, a more realistic uh, tone than what you'd see in a Marvel property so so that's where they jumped off from which 
again, Snyder's an odd choice for that because I can't look at any of Snyder's previous films and go, ah, yes, realist filmmaker Zack Snyder. <laughs> he took Watchmen and made it even more extreme. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, God. Oh, okay, so, Jake... Where do you where do you fall uh, as a, are are you a snihard here like how how do you digest and process the the cinema of Zack Snyder Yeah uh I mean you could sum it up for me with one word uh dumb um which is not necessarily <laughs> a bad thing um but mm. a lot of his movies are they're very he's a he's not I wouldn't say he's a director so much as he's a visual stylist and he just kind of wants to beat you over the head with how awesome things that he thinks are awesome are um and i think i rewatched uh good lord the extended cut of sucker punch last night because that's the only snyder film that is like not based on any other text it is his complete true original vision and i I, like halfway through i just like got to whatever the second fantasy land they go to where they're fighting orcs or whatever i just kind of checked out <laughs> but um dude the, the the part where it's like world war one but they have m16s and then there's like a, a mech fight, and then they, they get in the mech zombies and then they kill a dragon and then they board on a train with robots <laughs> with its shotguns and anyways Zack snyder invented anime should i watch I would, this movie i i've never seen it uh, should i cue it up <laughs> I'm making it. I mean, it's impossible to describe it without making it sound better than it is. Um, but uh, I mean, if you want just pure, uncut Snyder, uh, go for it. Uh, I, I really don't. I mean, I I, I kind of hate all these movies before. I I don't mind his DC films. I think he, he's done a pretty admirable mm. job with some ambitious stories with Superman, frankly. But I. I don't like any of his previous work at all. None of it. I don't like. Uh, I don't like Man of Steel. I thought Man of Steel was terrible, especially in the latter half when it's just all <laughs> mass destruction with like no no stakes or any no casualties are felt. Like just people are obliterated. Nobody gives a shit. Um, he reeled that in a bit with uh, Batman v Superman, which also has the benefit of Affleck, um, who is a great Batman. Uh, I'm just gonna say it probably one of the best um and then with the snyder cut uh i was actually really surprised at how much i enjoyed it and i would even dare to say it's his best film um Mm. the final 20 minutes or so are not good but (laughs) uh it's it's interesting like i've just been so allergic to what he does as a filmmaker that a lot of that is non-existent and um, I don't know if it's just because I've also just changed as a viewer. Like, I don't really mind watching Zack Snyder films anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, like, I, w- I would prefer to watch this than any film nominated for Best Picture, to, to be honest. <laughs> um, but, I, yeah, I don't know. It, like, really completely worked for me. And there's, there's humor in it, which is very rare that you see in a Zack Snyder film. It's <laughs> very cogent. I don't mind the 4-3. Uh, that's sure, fine, whatever. Take it. But, yeah, I, I had a good time with it. I, it's all right. Jake, why why is the Snyder cut in the same aspect ratio as First Cow? Can you explain <laughs> that to me? Well, it's 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 in the same aspect ratio of the mother boxes, Steve. 
Uh, so oh. I think that was the, uh, the intention. All odd. Okay. <laughs> no, it is it is not in the same ratio as a fucking cube, nor is it in the same ratio as IMAX. It's, it's yes, all, it's I, all know, I know. I know what I know. Four three is not a square. All right. I know, but IMAX is not four three <laughs> either. It's like slightly different still, and it, it's just like bizarre that he's decided on this. Like, why not present it in the actual IMAX format? All right, if we're gonna get into this, so he shoots his films in in scope which is yes. 235 to 1. Uh, if you have that projected on an IMAX screen, you're going to be you're going to le- be letterboxing the film. So by switching to a 43, you do you do pillarbox it, but you get some of that height and I think he's he's gearing the film for like a like a like the Irvine Spectrum, which is a 20 which is a 6-story IMAX and that mm. that'll be, you know, the screen will be filled top to bottom, not necessarily side to side, but top to bottom will be filled with with all of his Snyder Cut glory. So I think that's that's the intent behind the the aspect ratio there. It's I just I just wonder why it's like slightly different. Like the IMAX ratio is one point four three to one. So why not exhibit it in that instead of it's just like a like now we're doing this. Because uh, he can, I guess. He was given a second lease on life, and he's like, hey, Snyflex. Well, let's do this. And, and why not? I mean, we just said, we said that he, within a week, he already has released a gray, black and white and gray version of it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even not? know if he knows what he wants. You know what? I agree. Why not? I just I just don't like that he's, he makes, he, he, he like, uh gets bullied into like making up an excuse for why he's doing it. Couldn't he just say, because I wanted it to be 4-3, the end. Like, what do you say? No, it's because I shot it for IMAX. It's like, well, no, you didn't. And also, that's not the IMAX <laughs> ratio. So why do you even say these things, sir? You know, I, I will say this about Snyder is that, like, I don't know if he necessarily makes his choices uh, because of, you know, some sort of deeper meaning other than he just likes it. And that's honestly, that's refreshing in, in some ways because it, it introduces what seem to be chaotic elements where you would never logically put things together but because he emotionally feels they're appropriate we have just elements we'll get into it later but I, if i can do an analogy he reminds you a bit of like uh your nephew or your niece you know six years old trying to tell you a joke and they can get there you know they can give you all the pieces but it takes so long and you're just like uh-huh and you already know the punchline like Zack Snyder is not dealing with a very complex plot. It's like, okay, fathers and sons, they're repeating that theme. And, you know, I, I mean, that's it, basically. <laughs> Team building and punch hard. Wow, well, you, you can't discount the religious allegory. I mean, this is the third part of his uh, Christ triptych for fucking Superman, wherein the <laughs> yeah. Justice League service is, is apostles and spread the word. You know? But you, what I'm trying mm. to say is you could tell this story in a significantly shorter amount of time. You probably could tell it in around 210, 220. Like there, it, I hate to say this because it immediately almost makes me want to just like just cease existing, but there's probably a better cut inside of this movie <laughs> well there is a better cut the better cut is if he had not shot any additional footage because everything he shot and added to this is is stupid like it's just pointless it bullshit Joker? like what he added was the epilogue and that is it hurts the film if the film ends with you know the the nice montage uh, of 
what's his name? Cyborg's father giving that voiceover and it ends with Superman ripping his shirt open, cut to credits. Yeah, you got yourself a, a pretty dang good superhero movie. But then it it all I'm actually I'm nonsense. really upset about the epilogue because in, in promotional materials for Zack Snyder's Justice League, we were promised a uh, a Jesus Joker. There's like there's a promotional image where the Joker yeah. was wearing a crown of thorns. And we do not get Jesus Joker. We get like, I don't know, six days in Fallujah Joker or something like I, I don't I don't even understand the epilogue at all. When I was watching it, I, th- I thought I was like, did, did I accidentally skip over something or <laughs> uh, it, it when we talk about epilogues is just like tack on. Uh, you know, content that doesn't enrich a story necessarily. This is this is the definition of that. It really feels like an after credit sequence just stretched for 15 minutes. <laughs> I, I really like I, I was struggling, struggling with why the epilogue was there. And I get that Snyder originally conceived of Justice League as like part of a, a three film Snyder verse series. But I mean, is this just he had the chance to shoot his shot and and get it out there and hopefully get his get the fans riled up again or something? I think so. But yeah. In yeah. in service of of like the Justice League director's cut as a standalone uh, film object, it, the epilogue doesn't really do anything. Well, yeah. Nor does the the like last portion of it, which is totally an after credit sequence. But Snyder doesn't really do after credit sequences. Um, mm-hmm. Is that like? Ben Affleck just standing around and the fucking Martian Manhunter swoops in and goes like, hello, my name is the Martian Manhunter. Goodbye. And it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. You'll be seeing me around. <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> one of the one things that like went around is the, the reshot scene with um, Lois Lane and Martha Kent, uh, which went from a very somber scene to like a very just feminist hack joke scene that Joss put together. It's really terrible. Look it up. But at the end of that scene in the Snyder Cut, Martha Kent, Superman's mom, turns into Martian Manhunter, which, why was that there? What what was the point of that twist? (laughs) No idea. The Martian Manhunter stuff is a grand mystery. There are, that's, it it just keeps coming back. You're like, okay, I I get it. There is a better cut in this, honestly. Also, as as someone who, like, I I read comic books as a kid, but I I probably read more Marvel stuff than DC stuff. Mm. Um, And also, I'm used to dumb bullshit. But imagine you're, like, average Joe, and you're watching the Snyder Cut, and someone comes on screen and just says, hello, I am Martian Manhunter. (laughs) Like, that is the funniest shit. (laughs) that's your name that's the best his name you is come john up with. jones why did he say uh, people call me yeah. john jones he's like no people john call bones me jones Martian ufc Manhunter. champion dc has a big and well dc has a long history of when they take their comics and put them into new mediums and i i swear this is not a new thing and i've never heard it referenced by anyone else but it's it's from the even the animated shows all the way forward Characters need to say their names and you need to see the origin of their names for no reason it'll just be like um, I was watching the Creeper episode from Batman the Animated Series and they have to call him Creep. So he goes, yeah, I like that. I'll call myself the Creeper. And all the way now until like, hello, I'm Martian Manhunter. And I just have to like straight face it. Whereas, you know, we're talking about WandaVision on the other side here. We might as well bring it up. There are because the thing is that it, it really is following 
the same template as the very first Avengers film, you know, find the three things so that the portal can open up so that the flying creatures can come in and try and destroy the world. Like it's, it's kind of the same thing, but what I like about the Marvel films more is that they kind of at least keep the people a part of it. I feel like the people weren't quite in this movie. Like they, they introduced their problems and they introduced their powers, but I don't know if I, I like understood any of the characters like on a deeper level. Like, I don't know. The Flash, he wants to rescue his dad. The Cyborg has issues with his dad. I don't know. I think it, Daddy it works issues, for Cyborg. Man. I don't think the Flash works that great in this. It works better than in the Whedon cut where for no reason he's like mm-hmm. a coward. They're like, it's like, I can't, well, why does he I care? can't participate in this. I, I, I'm just going to run away. But it's like, okay, I don't understand why, why we're putting that in there. It's not like it's, it's something to be resolved. Uh, but yeah, mm. no, like the, cause Crudup is bizarre <laughs> in this movie. I don't know exactly what he's doing as father of the flash, but it, it, it doesn't inherently work. And I, I really don't like this guy. They got to play the flash either, but, uh, you know, so it goes, yeah. I mean, I, I, if you watch the CW show, that guy's a much more, uh, amiable flash for me, but well, and that's just is that I'm I'm very open minded, even though I really like the comic books, like you can do whatever interpretation you want of any character, like just whatever. You know, like Batman could whatever. It doesn't matter. Just change whatever. No nothing's precious. However, uh uh trying to actually identify one character to the next outside of just powers and tragedies, there's just nothing there i I really want to stress this because like i can't tell you if you just saw this movie and you're like what's the deal with batman it's like well he feels bad that superman died but other than that i can't really tell you anything about this guy i don't know it's pretty flat which is kind of a shame considering we have to spend a lot of time with him and he just doesn't really seem to have any sort of I don't know. I'm actually watching this in the background right now. <laughs> and he's flying out of a rocket chair, avoiding getting shot and avoiding animals. And it's like, all right. Because his parents died. <laughs> I think one of the weird things, and we can, we're can we doubling back to that epilogue because we didn't really get enough into it, I suppose, is it, it does tie into this characterization of Batman. And it's strange because if you watch this is a running thing from bvs where batman is having these visions of uh the possible future with a superman who has turned evil and if you watch batman versus superman you assume that those are visions that hearken to this event you know when this invasion occurs Lois Lane is killed, and then Superman joins forces with with the evil uh, forces of Darkseid, and, uh, you know, the Earth is an apocalypse with a freedom fighter Batman or something. Uh, Yeah. And and that is not apparently a description of this event uh, at all, nor nor was it a, a depiction of what Snyder intended for the second event, uh, Avengers Justice League film. This is apparently something he had planned to pay off in a third Justice League film <laughs> unrelated at all to uh to Darkseid. I don't know exactly what causes oh. Superman to become evil other than the death of Lois Lane, but it it doesn't seem to involve an invasion of any sort. It's just it, Superman is is mean and uh, everyone's running from him, I guess. But I uh, it's kind of nonsense. Like w- why are we trying to 
again, a little post credit sequence here or something. Great. I, I'm not a big fan of him to begin with, but if you want to like seed something that you're going to do a decade down the line, that might be a place for it. Not the fucking middle of your goddamn giant ass movie. But <laughs> I, I, one huge failure for me, I haven't gone back and watched all three of these Snyder DC films and really kind of gaining appreciation for all of them. This is not to me the most successful, uh, but what I think is a, a great failure is the lack of any explanation as to what the hell's going on with these visions. Like, why the hell is Batman <laughs> like a psychic in these movies? Into the, I guess you could say two and a half films worth of, of visions of evil <laughs> Batman. Or, I'm sorry, evil Superman. Batman's not a psychic. He's just a fucking guy. Why does he have all these uh, visions? Where? What is the source of the visions? Give me, give me some the bullshit comic book reason. Like, he was exposed to the... The ship and it gave him a Krypton vision or something. Who gives a shit? Just say something. <laughs> and this this is very much borrowing from um, Injustice, which is the the video game series that also became a comic series and is a really good comic series about uh, Lois Lane becoming pregnant. Uh, uh, the Joker uses the Scarecrow toxin with Kryptonite to make Superman temporarily go insane and think that Lois Lane is uh, Doomsday who you saw in the previous one, and actually kills Lois Lane. Oh, with child? With child. And it freaks him out so bad, he goes back and just annihilates Joker and says like, and then for the next mm, two years, it's basically just him saying, I'm never going to kill again. And then it slowly builds, so he snaps again. It's very well written, actually, even if the games are a little ridiculous. But um, it's weird that they're building to that because that's just something that could be done faster <laughs> like it doesn't seem like this needs to be reserved for some future projects i don't even know why I even hint at it you know unless you're trying to show the motivation from the previous film as to why batman tried to stop superman like that's i don't know well it made <laughs> it made sense in the context of bvs as yes, yes not not an apocalyptic vision as like sort of a, a fear dream that batman is having you know oh this is the worst case scenario of what could happen if we allow this fucking God to roam among us. Like he could go evil and kill us all. Like if this is a paranoid delusion of Batman grand, but I don't need like him being some fucking prophet wandering the desert. It's just, it's just madness. Like wh <laughs> why are we doing this? Like I, I don't really understand. Cause this movie, these movies function not just as that Christ allegory, which they definitely do. Jesus Christ, watch Man of Steel. It's just fucking all over the place. But uh, it's also a Moses allegory. Just going to put that out there. Uh, yeah, sure. But what it is, is I think it, this podcast room is a kind of of a piece of doing Richard Kelly because A, they're both filmmakers who are kind of getting a second shot critically. And B, mm. they both... They're both idiots who uh, are trying to do <laughs> very intellectual things. And if, like, Southland Tales is, like, Pinchon done by a, a lunatic moron uh, through a prism of 9-11, sure, this is, <laughs> this is, like, I think Neil Gaiman is really what he's pulling from a ton here with this sort of, like, gods on earth type of material so he's staying within comics to an extent but he's also not even one iota as literate as as someone like gaiman like there's nothing there's no subtext to these films it's just like thudding action and noise mm -hmm. and it, it can work 
on a mm-hmm. level, but it is just massively stupid. There is Kingdom Come and like uh, other Marvel uh, series from the late '90s, especially when they were trying to get, like appease some of their um, artists before they bailed to Image and let them write darker material. But there is like a tradition, especially in the '90s, when <laughs> artists who didn't know how to tell a story, ironically, um, just you know went crazy and just did all these crazy poses and had people with too many, you know parts stapled onto them i mean look at the flash for god's sakes he looks i don't know what the hell that is i assume that the movie version was the tv show version because it looks so gimmicky it looks so bad it just looks so oh i don't know we should talk about maybe the costume design because <laughs> it's it's very michael of- well i guess i guess yeah it's it's not great the, the thing is and this is kind of the big overarching takeaway is you know, you, you can get into the nuance and like the, the Zack Snyder philosophy, but I think like the ultimate himbo move here is all of the the smart stuff, smart stuff, heavy finger quotes. <laughs> it's it's like or, or there are things that he's like alluding to off in the future. Like I'm going to do this later. or This is going to be interesting later or we'll talk about this later. But then the, the meat, what we what we have for four hours is just a riff on the same Marvel formula. Yeah. Like, what's what's the difference between Zack Snyder and, you know, uh, whatever his fucking name is, Steppenwolf and, and the three boxes? How is that different from the Avengers and the Tesseract from the first one or the, the Infinity Stones from the, the last two Avengers movies? It's all the same shit. Yeah. It's a big, powerful guy from space, and, and they need the, the, the thing, and the then that's it. Nonsense, yeah. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. it's why yeah. it's my least favorite of Snyder's three DC films, because it, Ooh. it feels like... The whole time he's been taking notes, he's correcting every time he's listening to his audience too much. And and the studio obviously had a lot to do with that, but it felt like he had a real vision with Man of Steel. Whether you like that or not, that is Zack Snyder's Man of Steel. Like that is a movie by someone who had a fucking take on the character. And I think he maintained that to an extent in Batman versus Superman, but you see so many compromises of this, like, we gotta set up Justice League. Oh, let's shove in some computer files about Cyborg. It's like, who gives a fuck? Like, <laughs> Well, and, you know, the same thing happened with Iron Man 2 and whatever the fuck, Amazing Spider-Man 2, where just, they do this thing where somebody walks past a laptop that has, like, logos that look familiar, but, like, have, like, scribble marks on them and you're like whoa <laughs> you know ant-man's coming you know i i i think marvel's better able to get away with it because they're so they're not movies you know they're like there's no auteurism in marvel at fucking yeah. all it is no it's it's corporate filmmaking at its finest it's it's got yeah. a very nice sheen mm-hmm. but you don't get anything out of it yeah whereas these snyder films Love them or hate them, they're auteur-driven. They are products of a uh, infantile mind of a visually gifted uh, filmmaker. And when you try hmm. and like shoehorn it into this weird like setup for other corporate tie-ins, it just doesn't. It sticks out like a sore thumb. And this movie to me yeah. is like, even in its purest form, it still feels very compromised. It feels a lot less like. Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, Zack Snyder's Man of Steel is much more Zack Snyder to me than Zack Snyder's Justice League. This is 
a film where he was allowed to go a little crazy in post, but he was not allowed to go a little crazy with the script or with the initial filming. So it, it still feels yep. somewhat uh, uh, reined in to me, I, I'd say. And, and for that reason, I, I think it's my least favorite of the three. You know, I just mm-hmm. want to ask the room, uh, why exactly did they ever trust Zack Snyder to begin with? Because Watchmen, as far as I understood, I think it, it made its money back, but it wasn't a huge success. Like, I know it did well internationally. Uh, Man of Steel, same thing. It was considered a disappointment, <laughs> I thought, wasn't it? Well, Man of Steel made money, and 300 made a lot of money as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 300 yeah, was the I one. Think, yeah. I think Man of Steel they basically had already kind of decided to go in that direction because I think Nolan kind of wanted the hell out and had had suggested him as, as sort of the architect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think he's he has a track record. You know, he can he can make you money, I guess, even when his movies don't make a ton of money. Uh, they, they He's also his friends with Nolan. Like you said, Nolan kind of pushed him into the position a little bit and... Yeah, it was it was just one of those things where I think he's he's a very passionate guy too, so that probably helped him out, and I think he's really well liked. So it was it was a big combination, but he's gotten a lot more mulligans than you would typically assume from a filmmaker. Yeah, I think Sucker Punch was kind of a big disaster, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, huge, yeah, huge. I mean, and and but that one too is just. I don't know. It, I guess it was only only a seventy million dollar movie. I think that was the budget. Then so that fucking owl it wasn't thing a huge right after. It seemed like at that point you're like, oh boy. yeah. <laughs> what the fuck was the owl thing? Isn't that like a like a beloved YA novel adaptation or something? Yeah, Legend of the Guardians, Guardians. the Owls of Gahul. <laughs> I don't know. From the director of Dawn of the Dead and Sucker Punch. <laughs> That's just it, is that when you look at his work, he has always gone after things that have been previously, you know, for the most part, previously established. Now we just talked about Sucker Punch, but he's drawn towards adaptation, but he's never, he's not a, um, you know, he's not dogmatic. Like he doesn't need it to be exactly like it is in the comic books. He really does. It feels like he's almost like a, a new writer on a comic book series and he's just writing it. You know, that's what he's doing rather than basing it off of anything because i don't know what the hell this is i don't know where these stories are coming from well that's definitely the case with uh man of steel and that's why people hated it you know they're like that's not superman superman wouldn't snap a guy's neck it's like motherfucker, do you even pay attention to comics there's a different writer on mm-hmm. superman every third goddamn day and he changes as a character fundamentally <laughs> all the fucking time and who gives a shit and this is one universe. Yeah. There's infinite universes. And honestly, I find it refreshing that like Warner Brothers can take that approach and say, sure, you can make that weird Batman movie that looks like it's in the 70s and you can go make Teen Titans go and make all of our characters ridiculous and stupid. Like you can play with our toys as long as you agree that they're still our toys at the end of the day, which, you know, at the end, whatever. The problem is they stopped. They stopped. And that's what made Joss Whedon's Justice League is they, they said, Oh no, we got to do what Marvel's doing. Look how much money they're making. And but they're no chasing after this fucking Avengers thing. And th- that movie was already like almost a decade old when they, they tried to copy the formula exactly. And it was like, well, this isn't going to work. Nobody, that's not what Marvel's <laughs> even doing anymore. Like, it just, you can't, you, you can't expect that the trend from almost a decade ago is how you're going to get uh, onto the track with Marvel. It's like, just do your own fucking thing. 
Absolutely. It's like when they brought Surge back a few years ago and it's like, buddy, I needed that a few years previously when I was still drinking hard. I wanted to mix that up instead of Red Bull. But now <laughs> here it comes and I'm thinking, man, I'm a beard bro now. So it's just different, you know, whatever. Oh, my God. Oh, Zack Snyder. I, I do love too. you know, the other thing that you, you can't get away from with Snyder is the whole reason this is over four hours long we mentioned the epilogue that's a little portion of it but really the meat is he was like we just need more fight scenes but by more he just means extending the scenes far beyond their original runtime i just wish there was some sort of this is the next nerd project i want a composite cut where it's all it's just all of the like the pacing of joss whedon's movie where so we don't have like I don't need 30 minutes on the uh, uh, the Wonder Woman island with the, the ladies fighting the bugs. Because that, that's the entire, like, probably the first three hours of this movie is just dumb establishing bullshit and oh, yeah. then endless, endless fight scenes. And there's some stuff, too, where at, at least the fight scenes with the boxes make sense. But there's there's a whole heist scene with Wonder Woman where there's, like, eco-terrorists and some other shit, which, as far as I can tell... As unless I was zoning out that whole like bomb sequence, whatever, like none of that was relevant to anything. It was, I mean, it was cool. It was a good yep. action scene, but like it's, it's literally there because it's cool, which I guess, you know what? Fine. Fine. Zach, <laughs> it's, it's your cut, buddy. You do it. And let's talk about the version uh, of Whedon put out versus the Snyder version of that scene in particular which just has the villains just being like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> like we're, we're comic book villains. We're going to do it, you know, or whatever. And uh, Snyder's version, they are just psychotic and I love it. You know, uh, yeah. my favorite scene. Yeah. Or my oh, favorite it's bit way of, better. It's way better. My, my favorite bit of dialogue is when Wonder Woman, um, and as much as I find Gal Gadot problematic as a person, I do think her Wonder Woman is especially written very well in the Snyder cut where he's, uh, she's using the last of truth. And basically says, like, why are you here? And it's like, we are going to take it back to the dark ages of 1,000 years. And she's like, boring. I meant, like, how many of you are there and how many hostages? Like, she's almost treating these people <laughs> like they're her iPhone. And she's just like, nah, that's not what I wanted to do. I, I love it. You know, it's just a very cool scene. And also, it's I, I love the fact that they really make Wonder Woman as strong as Superman. Uh, not as strong, but almost as strong, kind of like in the comic books. I just, I just really appreciate yeah. that. It helps that this fucking, like, uh, I mean, Hans Zimmer's not involved in this, but I still think he composed that Wonder Woman thing with Junkie XL, and that thing just rips. So every time there's a Wonder Woman action scene, it's all like, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm on board for this. And also, I just I just think that scene works very well because a lot of people might have missed the Wonder Woman film, and so you have to see this character, and you really do need to establish that you know she'll take a guy with a gun and just like throw him up against the wall and you see the back of his head splatter. Like she'll kill people. She's in, she will execute people. She's not afraid of that. Colin, Colin, that's, that's her IDF training. Okay. She was <laughs> from the age of 17. She learned how to do that. So it's nothing, man. That's, you don't need a lasso of truth to, to do that. So. They just have to protect themselves. Uh, <laughs> you don't understand. They had sticks and stones. You don't understand. <laughs> see, that's right. I feel like this, like we could talk about how some of the action scenes are artificially extended by the speed at which he runs them, but that's just Zack Snyder for you. But he uses a lot of the time productively, I feel like, because 
Mm -hmm. I none of the characters are introduced in the theatrical cut, and there are three characters of the the six that don't even exist prior to this film. Like Cyborg gets totally fucked. Mm -hmm. yeah, there Just is totally no Cyborg. Fucked. There is no Aquaman, and there is no Flash before this movie released theatrically. Those characters do not exist. You can't just mm. throw them in. And Snyder actually takes the time to be like. Yeah, we're not going to we don't have all day to give them like their own movie, unfortunately, yeah, although they if they had any sense, that's how they would have approached it. But they didn't. <laughs> and, and Snyder, at least I, I struggle to call this film economical in any way, but it feels almost as if he was using some level of utility in establishing the existence of these characters like that flash sequence with the fucking hot dogs and what have you, that that at least it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, the Flash. Mm. Yeah, see that that's that whole sequence that does work because it it really does. Like it's it's goofy extended Zack Snyder's slow mo action nonsense, but it's in service of establishing who he is as a character. Totally so, unexpected. I'll give you that one. I think I'll give the you that Aquaman one. is so much fucking better in this than it is in uh, the theatrical cut. Like that, it's big the same time, sequence where they meet at this oh, bar. Yeah, he meets this yep. bar and he's like, oh, yeah, I need to talk to this guy. But in the Snyder Cut, it's clear that Batman like already fucking knows that this guy's Aquaman and he's like sleuthed it out and he's come to talk with him. Mm -hmm. And then it's got this whole weird like fucking, again, gods on earth nonsense with like the, the bizarre fucking singing and these people are worshiping him like a god. And you take the same scene and you put it in Whedon. And he just cuts out like all this impactful stuff and he makes it seem like Batman's a complete idiot. And the only reason he yep. figures out that uh, this guy is Aquaman is because the crowd at the bar mysteriously like parts. There's like a fucking cave painting on the wall of the bar that's like, this guy's Aquaman. <laughs> Dude, if it's on God. the wall at a bar, it must be true. That's why I can't wait to get lucky. Going to call this number afterwards. <laughs> I, I just I, my favorite part of the Aquaman sequence is uh, this repeats throughout the course of our our beautiful four hour film. But every time Aquaman goes back into the ocean or goes into the water, he oh, the takes off bubble? his shirt slow <laughs> yeah. slow mo, so you can see the like the the eight pack and the glistening pecs and the and the whatnot. But he always walks in with pants on. So you know, my my question to Zack Snyder is why won't you show us Aquaman's dick? But uh, until he answers that, I don't know. I can't. I can't. I can't respect him too much. But uh, I, I do. I do like the friend bubble shit. Like <laughs> as dumb as that is, I love how Zack Snyder creates because he's got the himbo brain and he just creates solutions. Like there's dumb problems and he finds the equally stupid solution. So yeah, it's like oh man, these people are underwater. How do we hear them talk? And Zack's like, right. They do the friend bubble. <laughs> okay, cool. And then if you do a reverse friend bubble, you can suck the water out of someone's eye sockets. And that's cool, too, because then all the blood comes out of their body. That's that's awesome. But that's just it is that he's a very sloppy chef like he he doesn't know how to use the measuring cups any other way than like when he's making a dinner for five. Like he does not know how to like whittle that down to one person. He needs to use all of this uh, character to just really, like you said, establish a person because. Really, all they are for him is a bunch of circumstances, for the most part. I will, I will admit, even though I don't like the Flash's performance, it does bring some levity. It is like by the time he shows up in the movie, it's it's relief because 
even though his situation isn't great, he's a lot less dour than everybody else. Right. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I yeah. kind of thought he would he would really dower up uh, Momoa in this cut, but not really. He's still got some stuff no. going on. And and the one thing I wanted to mention about Whedon's dialogue is that when Momoa is going into the ocean the first time, you know, uh, Affleck, you know, is trying to talk to him, and in the Whedon cut, you know, when he says, "You ever hear that a man is stronger alone?" You know, Ben Affleck has to do that annoying, almost like a Hugh Grant impersonation of befuddlement. You know, just like that's not a phrase. What is that? You know, and in the Snyder cut, he's like, um, he's like, have you ever heard of Superman? Because that guy died right next to me. One of them sounds like somebody that's trying to convince someone to do something. Another one just knows the movie's going to happen regardless. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Whedon's cut doesn't have purpose. The scenes just happen around people. Whereas, at least with Snyder, yep. even if he overdoes it, it makes sense. You know, you can you can go to an internet forum and defend it all day long, which is what this is here for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is it is amusing to compare with uh, Juan's uh, Aquaman, which had not come out at this stage. Uh, but if you look at the color grading, you, like, talk about <laughs> a differentiation. Like, Whedon's color grading is nothing compared to what Juan was doing with Aquaman, which is, like, fucking hyper-colored. And uh, he he obviously it's just interesting to look at the way these different filmmakers approach this stuff because he doesn't use that bubble shit at all. He just like he's just like who gives a fuck? They talk underwater. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just it's just it's entertaining to think about. I will say for yeah. for Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League, it, it, it's an all time beefcake classic. You got to grant it that. Yeah. Like, you got Momoa and fucking... Look at Cavill in this thing. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, yeah. Chiseled. Chiseled. Absolutely. Even Affleck, like... And, and this is... I mean, he's he's in that stage of his life where he's just like, I, I eat Dunkin' Donuts every single day and I don't care. And uh, even even he, like, you know, he did a couple sit-ups for this one, so... Well, if you been. look at it compared to the Whedon cut again, like where they refilmed a lot of Baff, uh, Ben Affleck's shit. Uh, he, he looks like he like threw out his back or something. <laughs> like he, he can't even fucking walk <laughs> around half the scenes of that Whedon cut. He looks ridiculous. And it's just such a, uh, like, again, the, one reason why I don't like this film as much is because it does lose a lot of the kinetic energy of the previous film. Like some of those Affleck action scenes, in BVS are like choreographed excellent hand-to-hand fighting stuff and there's none of that here it's a CGI soup <laughs> yeah there's t- there's touches yeah. of it here and there especially yeah. like I said the Wonder Woman sequence feels you know grounded enough that you understand what's happening even though it has fantastical elements I don't know it's 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 just a shame that uh it, it took all of this work just to get to this film where Snyder I don't I wonder really what did he plan because I don't know if we'll ever get that answer. If this was, I don't, did you guys actually see the movie when it came out? The very first version of this? No, I watched it this week for the first time. <laughs> yeah, I I saw it in the theaters. I just kind of left with a shrug. I'm like, oh, that was bad. And I just, really? I just moved on. I thought I thought the DCEU was done. Yeah, I was like, okay, yeah. well, I, I don't know really. I, I had the same experience. Yeah. So yeah. Suicide Squad happened afterwards. Then Suicide Squad Wait, was what? before this. Yeah, Suicide Squad. Before yeah, this? before this. Yeah. Okay, it's hard to keep yeah. track of this shit because it keeps fucking re-releasing the movies. The only thing that came out movies. after was Aquaman, which mm-hmm. which was like, okay, well, I, I saw that in theaters. I'm like, okay, well, that was that was better than most of these. So, all yeah. right, yeah. but uh, I was Wonder I was not Woman. convinced. 
No, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman was before. Okay, so Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman was 2016. Wonder Woman Justice League was 17. Was after, I guess. Well, Shazam yeah. is in the same universe, isn't it? Like yeah. I know Joker's Unfortunately, not, yes. But Shazam is in the same universe, and presumably Black Adam, which is got a release date, will be in the same universe. I don't know about uh, that. Birds I, of Prey I, I don't as well. Know. They might Birds have just prey, like yeah. abandoned this universe at this stage. Like I know Shazam is technically, but I don't. I don't know that. Even Wonder Woman 84, I, I suppose. But I think they might just have, like, disregarded. Like, they're like, ah, fuck it. This doesn't exist anymore. So it's not part of this universe because that universe yeah. is gone. <laughs> well, if you want, I can list some films. Please do. Slated. <laughs> well, we just, re- we just received the trailer for the insanely warped mind of James Gunn's Suicide Squad. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> that movie looks so good. He's the perfect director for that project. He gets it. Totally gets it. That'll come out this August. Uh, coming July 2022, we have Black Adam starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, then we have The Flash movie uh, comes out November 2022. And we have Aquaman 2 in December of 2022. And then we have Shazam 2 in June of 2023. But wait, that sounds like all these movies are connected to this universe. So even if the Snyderverse, quote unquote, is ending because Zack Snyder's not there, the literally the characters that are connected to this universe are, will be in other movies. Well, it's all it's all the secondary and tertiary characters. Like there's no there's, yeah. like Cavill and Affleck are done. The next Batman is just going to be the, the this is weird. They're doing a standalone Robert Pattinson Batman that should be out this year. And then it's like it's like the well the same thing with the Marvel universe which was like that was like a series of 22 films, but now like Iron Man and Captain America are gone. They're just going to do a series of films with all the spinoff characters to keep making money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I guess the difference <laughs> is that they've already announced... Well, I mean, the Batman is well on its way, but they've already announced another Superman project as well. But you're right. I'm looking at this now, and it does say all those forthcoming films are technically still part of the DCEU, but something like the Batman and this new Superman... Uh, which does not involve Cavill. I think it's a totally different character as Superman. I haven't looked into it, but uh, I think maybe a black Superman, which just got the internet angry, because of course. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, those are not part of the DCEU, so they're all like, they're taking instead of like, that would be like if Marvel was like tomorrow, like, oh, we are making another Iron Man, but he's not part of the uh, MCU. It'd be like, what? Okay. <laughs> well, that's kind of what their Spider-Man's been dealing with for a little bit because, you know, I mean, I know that Spider-Man is owned by, Jesus Christ, Sony. whatever. It's complicated. Yeah, but he's not owned. He's leased, you know, <laughs> until he's a good boy. They can let him go again. What, what do you guys think is the ethical responsibility of a director to release a teaser like that at the end of a fucking movie that will arguably never get a sequel? Never get a sequel. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like he's, he's just, he's shooting his shot, man. That's what he's got to do. He's, well, he's got limited there's, time. Like, there's all these articles like, like Zack Snyder was told he could not reshoot, do reshoots for his movie. He did it anyway. Whoa. It's, it's like, what did he pay out of pocket? I don't fucking yeah. think so. Well, he, for, <laughs> he totally forewent a, a salary just yeah. to have like final cut on, on the Snyder. And good for him. Vision. Because yeah. that's like a really cool thing. And I really do believe that Zack Snyder gives a shit about his movies. Like, I really do think he tries really hard, even though I think, I don't know, this whole Snyder cut is just, it's just too fucking long. Like, it's just too, it's too <laughs> slow, too long, you know. And uh, 
I, I actually, there are some scenes that do look better in black and white. The Justice is Gray version does have some cool scenes, especially um, Superman resurrecting and the scene where Jason Momoa, like, very first, like, leaves to go on the water and Batman's talking to him. By the way, when Jason Momoa goes in the water, the women start to sing and sing and sing. And I cannot explain why this is happening at all. I feel like I can explain other things. You ever but- heard of Sigur Rós, man? Come on. People yeah. love that. They love when the Icelandic he's a people Norse god. Come on. They break yeah. into counter melody. to Jesus. <laughs> like, holy shit. <laughs> like, did you rehearse? What time did you wake up to do this? Colin, I'm going to have to ask you to dial it back, and I want you to think about something. You ever watch me uh, leave leave a room full of women, and what do they start doing? Uh, they start right, yodeling, right. okay? Me and Momoa got a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> I was in yeah. that Whole Foods bathroom. I remember what happened here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very weird. All right, boys. Uh, well, we're, uh, we're getting near time here. We got to wrap things up. So, uh, you know what? We're going we're gonna to do some putovers. I'm going to give you some options, though. You can either put something over and or you can create your own Joss Whedon uh, Justice League joke. Okay, so so use the hacky Joss Whedon formula and see if you can come up with something. That's an option for you. All right. Think about it for a second. Okay, Colin, go ahead. You're up first. What are you putting over? Oh, nothing. There's really nothing much going on. Uh, (laughs) Nope. (laughs) You got, a, you got a hacky Joss Whedon joke for us? I got nothing, really. I'm working on some videos, and when the videos are out, you will most certainly hear me putting it over over here, but in the meantime, not really. I'd say go check out the episode of Costa Content that we put out last week about those two animated films, which were... I thought the discussion was genuinely funny, because those films are just... They're not movies. What am I saying? Please listen. <laughs> yeah. Hey... I, I respect a man who, who comes on the show and puts over more of the show. I like that. <laughs> so thank you, Colin. Uh, Jake, what are you putting over this week? Well, uh, speaking of uh, long-lost directorial visions, uh, Steve, let me ask you real quick. Who directed Get Even? Uh, John DeHart. John DeHart. Well, before John DeHart, before Tommy Wiseau, before Neil Breen, there was Craig Denny. In 1975, Craig Denny produced, directed, and starred in a film called The Astrologer, which the only way you could previously see this film was if uh, your local cinema was having a 35mm beat-up print of its screening. It's been virtually released nowhere else because he decided to use a Moody Blues song that he could not get the rights for, and thus (laughs) prevented him from distributing it. But he said, fuck it, I'm using the song anyways. Anyways, a really good 2K scan of the film has popped up on YouTube, and I beg you all, it's worth even having its own episode. It's that amazing. I'm not going to say what it's about, just know it's called The Astrologer, starring a guy named Craig Denny, who believed he was making something beautiful, and I think he succeeded. It's, It's amazing. It's like, and it's also only like 70 minutes long, too. So, uh, yeah, check that out. And if I, if I can throw a, a, a Joss Whedon joke, it's going to be uh, Superman lands at the final battle and he says, you know what happens to a parademon when I punch it in the face? And then he punches it in the face and he goes, the same thing that happens to everything else. That's from X-Men. That's exactly right. <laughs> Holy it's the famous shit. line oh that God. Joss wrote for X-Men in that movie. Can't let go that was that. beautiful. Thank you for that. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. 
Uh, Myros, what are you putting over this week? Uh, you know, I'm going to put over... Uh, it's a show that somehow is still going on, even though it was fucking hacked to death. But, you know, if if you're interested in what Snyder seems to be exploring in this material, uh, because you're probably not going to get Snyder cut too, so uh, maybe move on to something else. But uh, I, I would suggest maybe watching the first season of American Gods. Uh, this is a Neil Gaiman adaptation uh, undertaken by Brian Fuller, who did uh, Hannibal. Uh, it's very strange, and it's a very interesting uh, show about gods among us and, and how they've kind of lost power over time as faith has diminished. And uh, again, there are three seasons. Uh, after the first season, they excised Brian Fuller, part of the cast left, and they hacked the budget to high hell, but apparently it's still trundles onward so i i can't speak to the <laughs> quality of the latter two seasons i would bet on that being uh distinctly lessened but uh the first season pretty excellent uh check it out i do want to put at least one last Zack snyder joke <laughs> one last note is that when you watch his uh next movie and you will watch his next fucking movie he's gonna make it slow <laughs> Uh, I guess no one else paid attention to what the Joker said. Fine. Well, actually, no, the Batman said to the Joker. <laughs> it, this dialogue is amazing. Yeah. Why, you know, Christopher Nolan has a, has, a, has a lot of showdowns with the Joker and Batman in The Dark Knight. And then in the Snyder Cut, we have Batman telling the Joker, I will fucking kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I really do. Oh, Lord. Uh, Myers, you got a hacky Joss Whedon joke for us? No, I don't believe in improv, Steve. <laughs> okay, all right. Do you do you think his name is? Uh, do you think his name is actually Joshua? Is that his full name, or is it just really just Joss? Uh, that's a good question. I I haven't looked into. It's actually uh, short for Giuseppe. Giuseppe. <laughs> all right. Well, before you guys go, just let anyone know I'm 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 Martian Manhunter. Okay, bye. I still got. I still got to do my put over. His name is actually uh, Joseph Hill Whedon. So of course, uh, okay. So he chose the Joss. Natural abbreviation for Joseph. Wonderful. uh, Joss. 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 He's a Joss guy. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. Well, this week I'm putting over uh, a little movie from the the wonderful country of Turkey called Death Warrior. (laughs) <laughs> and this was uh, recently put out on uh, Gold Ninja Video. Uh, Justin DeGlo was on our show a couple weeks ago. Uh, that's that's his uh, his Blu-ray label. And it is kind of from like the tail end of the, the Turkish cinema boom. So I'm sure you, you may be familiar with some of the like the Turkish kung fu movies in the 1970s or, you know, the really famous one, Turkish Star Wars. But, you know, they're, they're always kind of hacky low budget but super fun uh riffs on established genres uh in in a distinctly turkish way death warrior is not that death warrior is is something far far i don't know (laughs) it's deranged okay so this is the bottom had completely fallen out on the turkish film industry at this point uh you've got the turkish tom cruise uh sunet arkin uh, and he is starring in this, even though he's probably pushing 50 at this point. <laughs> and this film is 
as as silly and nonsensical as as some low budget like Turkish B movies from that era can be, this is the apex. Okay, this is it's at least three or four different films kind of chopped up and and composited together by the director producer. I don't know who. Um, it is so just incomprehensible. It makes like a Godfrey Ho movie look like it's on a, a totally different level. Okay. Uh, it's, it's absolute nonsense, insanity, incomprehensible, but it is endlessly entertaining and fucking hilarious. Like every single frame of this movie is a goddamn work of art. Uh, the entire end fight, like the last five minutes, they just light a dummy on fire. And this guy just beats the shit out of it with a stick. It's hilarious, man. Absolutely hilarious. Uh, even even the subtitles are shit. They don't make any sense. And that kind of adds to the magic of the whole thing. So Death Warrior, you can get it from Gold Ninja Video. You can probably find it on YouTube, I'm sure. There's not a good version out there. Every version looks like ass. No one should probably watch this. But if you are interested, if, if you're interested in the astrologer, I think Death Warrior will scratch that itch as well. Uh, as, far, as far as my, my Joss Whedon joke goes... I'm picturing, okay, so it's uh, it's the scene in Justice League where he's kind of having that flashback to right after the car accident and Cyborg is in the lab and, and he literally is like missing all of his limbs and screaming out in agony, except instead of going, oh, why are you doing this to me? He turns to his father and goes, can you give me a hand, dad? And he waves his nub. <laughs> that's what i got all right well <laughs> if you are listening to this podcast right now uh do us a big favor uh you can rate and review us on itunes that helps us out a lot and there's a link in the description for you to click on so you can you can do just that that would help us out quite a bit if you want to help us out even more uh we have a patreon that you can you can give money to doesn't that sound fun giving money to people uh for just a low low price of three dollars you can get access to a huge back catalog of optimism vaccine content as well as new content. And Hey, guess what? From now until I run out of shit to give away, uh, if, if you become a Patreon subscriber, I'm going to mail you a, uh, a Blu-ray or a DVD or a box set or something. I'm going to send you something in, a ma- in the mail. So there you go. You get a package from me, a movie, a, a movie from Optimism Vaccine. What could be better? So if you donate us $3, I mean, that's you're basically paying for a random movie from my collection. Uh, could be something good. Maybe that's actually worth it. It's like a scratch-off ticket. You don't, you don't know what you're going to get. Absolute gamble. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's going to happen this month. And, uh, you know, other than that, uh, if, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, optimismvaccine at gmail.com is the place to send those. Or you can tweet at us at optimismvaccine. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, also, one thing that has to be said, I sincerely hope that a year or two from now, we're not back doing this shit again because I notice release the air cut is starting no, to trend no. on Twitter. People are asking for the suicide air cuts. So that is not something we need. I just want I just want everyone to know Zack Snyder is an interesting filmmaker. He makes a lot of stuff I don't like, but he, he always he, he he knows how to rope me in. And I will sit through four hours of Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'm putting my foot down at David Ayer, okay? Just because 
you made the bad thing longer. That doesn't always make it better. I want everyone to know that. And uh, Jake, last word is yours. I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> <laughs>